So Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus resolutely set towards Jerusalem. He's on the road and he's got his followers with him and he's teaching them and he's telling them stories and sharing wisdom with them as they go. And, um, and as they're on the road, he's preaching a message of peace. And a bit like we've just been hearing, the world is violent. The Jews were not looking for a peacemaker. They were looking for a Messiah who was going to defeat their enemies, who was going to deal with the Romans, the occupiers, but also other enemies like the Samaritans, where there was all sorts of arguments over the inheritance of the land. And Jesus was preaching peace. And just before the story we have this morning, he sent out the 72 disciples in pairs, and he said, go out in, the front, in front of us, go ahead of us into the towns and the villages, two by two, and take this message of peace to the people that you see there. And if they receive it, then go and bless their household and bless them with my peace. So not everybody was happy with this message. And on one particular day, an expert in the law stood up to ask Jesus a question, to test him. And he said, teacher, what is it that I must do to receive eternal life? Jesus looked at him and he said, well, you're an expert in God's law. You tell me how you interpret it, how you read it. So he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, that is a good answer. And perhaps that's where he should have stopped. He'd been given a gold star, good answer, but no. He wanted to push it further. He had an audience, this expert in the law, and he wanted everybody to know how clever he was and that he understood what was really going on here. So he said to Jesus, he said, well, who's my neighbor then? And Jesus told this story. There was a, a man traveling on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was on his own, and the road was dangerous and was known to be dangerous. It was a desert road with lots of twists and turns in it, and it was known for bandits and robbers. And on this particular day, the man traveling on his own was attacked. He was robbed, he was stripped, and he was beaten and left for dead at the side of the road. But luckily for him, a Jewish priest was also traveling on his own on that road on that day. And as he walked along and he turned the corner, he saw the man looking like a corpse at the side of the road. So he passed by on the other side. But all was not lost because a temple official, a Levite, was also traveling alone on this road, on this day. And as he turned the corner and saw the man looking half dead at the side of the road, he passed by on the other side. Finally, a Samaritan, at which point everybody's ears would have pricked up, walked along the same road on his own on that day. And as he turned the corner, he saw the man and his heart was moved. And so he went over 
to the man. And he knelt down by his side. And he took oil and wine from the donkey that he had with him. And he bathed the man's wounds. And he bandaged him. And he covered him. And he carefully and gently placed him onto his donkey and led him to an inn where he spent the night making sure that he was comfortable and caring for him. The next morning, the Samaritan needed to be on his journey. And so he said to the innkeeper, here's two denarii, two silver coins that were worth two days' wages. Take this and look after this man. And if when I return, that's not been enough money, then ask and I'll give you the difference. So Jesus looked at this expert in the law and he said, which of these three was a neighbor to this man who had been robbed and stripped and beaten? And of course, he could only give one answer. He said, the final one, the one who showed him mercy, who showed him compassion, who showed him kindness. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. The Good Samaritan, a story that we are so familiar with. It's up there with the Christmas story and the Easter story. It's the one that we've learned since very young children. It's the one when I was a teacher that I had to say, can we just not have the Good Samaritan as the theme for every assembly? But at the time, it was really shocking. And I wonder, I wonder which of those people in the story you identify with. Let's start with the expert in the law. You see, he had it all here. He knew God's law. He understood it. He had the right answers. But what was here had not traveled here. And so he was missing out on God's grace. He had the law, but he didn't understand what it was to receive that abundant grace. Sometimes we can get caught up with thinking that we need to understand God's word before we live it. Or what about the two religious leaders? We don't want to be identifying with them, do we? We're very quick to judge the Jewish leaders walking down the road and ignoring the corpse at the side of the road. But before we judge them too quickly, let's think about what was going on here. On the one hand, as Peter read from Leviticus... They were being obedient to the law. They were not supposed to touch a corpse. And at a glance, that's what they thought the man was. At a glance, I don't suppose that they looked too closely. So you could say, well, they were just doing what God had told them to do. Or maybe there was real danger. The very fact that there was a person looking dead at the side of the road underlined the fact this was a dangerous road. And maybe the people who had done that were waiting to do the same. The priests weren't traveling together. They were on their own. There was real danger. And I think it's quite interesting that just before this story, Jesus has taught his disciples to go out two by two. They're not on their own on the road. Maybe one of the reasons for that was practical, then as now, that we can look out for each other. When we're partnering together, when we're working together, we can actually keep each other safe in the broadest sense of that word. But also, there's something about when you're with somebody else 
that accountability. I don't know about you, but um, I've, I've passed by on the other side, on my own. I can make a decision not to go and have a conversation with somebody. I can look straight ahead and not notice what's on the side. The man was not in the middle of the road looking dead. He was over there. Blinkers on, keep going, I can't see. If you've got somebody else with you, you've got to collude with them to do the same. Or maybe one nudges the other and says, what shall we do? So maybe there's something in that as well. That Jesus has just sent everybody out in twos, and yet here we have a story of people traveling alone on a dangerous road. So maybe we shouldn't be quite so quick to judge the Jewish priests. And danger and risk might look different in different circumstances. What about the risk that we tell ourselves, the fear that we have that we might say the wrong thing if we see someone suffering? How many of us have had that experience of when we've experienced bereavement or loss and our closest friends don't cross the road to talk to us? Why? Not because they're trying to be mean, but actually because they don't know what to say. So they say nothing and ignore instead. Or what about going over to um, help someone who's let us down in the past? Are we as ready or have we got our excuses, our fears, our barriers that allow us to just keep going straight on, to not notice what's happening at the side? Fear ruling over love. The exact opposite of what Jesus was teaching. So we've got our expert in the law, he's got it in his head and he hasn't got it in his heart. And we've got our Jewish uh, religious leaders, the locals if you like, They've also got the law in their head. They're trying to be obedient. But the fear is greater than the love. And then there's the Samaritan, the foreigner, the enemy. He's on the same road. He's got the same dangers. But there's something about when he sees the man, there's a pause. There's a there must have been something that stopped him because his heart was moved. He wasn't able to look away. He wasn't able to continue. His heart was moved by the plight of this poor man at the side of the road. And so what was going on in his heart moved his feet. And he went over and he helped the man. And we don't know who this man was. Remember, he's been stripped, so there's no clothing to give us any clues as to his wealth. Was he robbed for a lot or a little? He's been beaten. Might not even have been clear how old he was. But he was probably somebody's son, brother, maybe husband or father. And the Samaritan responded with that love and went to him. Now, sometimes we um, can be overwhelmed by that need to show love, to go and act when we see suffering. And we do need to remember that if we identify with the Samaritan, that does not mean that we need to be the answer to every single person's suffering. Jesus showed us that he went to those that his father showed him. <laughs> 
And how did he know that? Because he was praying, because he was in that prayerful communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that same Holy Spirit that is available to us today so that we can have the freedom to go where God has called us, to those that he shows us, without the guilt of thinking that we've got to solve everybody's problems, but responding with our hearts to those that God has called us to go alongside. I don't know if any of you have caught um, the BBC documentaries called The Exodus. Um, Joel and I watched a couple of episodes on the iPlayer this week, and it's the story of the migration, of the refugees leaving places like uh, Aleppo in Syria and Afghanistan. And it's one of those things where you think, okay, there's all sorts of things you could watch on iPlayer, but actually, I'm going to watch this. And it's so moving because it focuses in on individuals and individual families. So you can look at it, and on the surface you can say, that's a different culture, that's all sorts of different things going on, different faith, everything else. But they zoomed in on one particular episode on a family from Syria, a mother and a father, two young daughters and an extended family, 11 in all. They'd lost everything. Bombs were falling all around them. And yet there was this real tension in the marriage between the husband and wife. The wife was desperate to get the family away. The father was frightened about how his disabled daughter would cope with such a perilous journey. But they resolved it and they went on it. And it's heartbreaking because you look and you say that's people like me, people like us. We're very quick to say our neighbor is everybody in the world because we can see and be connected in a way that maybe previous generations have never been able to. But do we actually stop to notice, to see the suffering, to tell the story? There's one more person in this story that I've not mentioned, and that's the man himself. He was obviously in desperate need of help, and we don't know whether he was thankful once he recovered. We don't even know if he fully recovered. We know nothing about him. We don't know how the relationship did or didn't continue with the Samaritan afterwards. Sometimes, and maybe even this morning, we identify with the beaten up, robbed man at the side of the road? Do we put conditions on those that will allow to help us? Are there some people that we're ready and expectant, maybe even demand their help? And are there others that we think are just not quite good enough or not going to say the right thing? Or maybe they've tried to help us in the past and it didn't work out very well, did it? That man took help from his enemy. Who do we identify with in that story this morning? What's really ruling us? Is it our heads or is it our hearts? Is it fear or is it love? Is it law and grace or is one in charge. We have a message for this world, this violent, broken world of peace. And we need to be the ones that take it.
seeing what's on the periphery of the road, not just what we're going to fall over in front of us. Seeing the people on the edges, not just those that we've known all our lives. So just in the quiet now, as I finish, let's ask God to show us again where we are in that story right now. Believing that he's a God who transforms, doesn't leave us where we are. And let's decide that we'll be a people not ruled by fear, but empowered by the Holy Spirit to go where he shows us. Not to be condemned for what we haven't done. But to take the message of peace.